bonus episode revisiting the long night and some other deaths and things to talk about because we are halfway through the final season and we're just not going to have that much more time to talk about anything so hello hello well in our original podcast about this you said to sleep on it which i've done (laughs) the original podcast of uh season eight episode three the long night right yeah so we but maybe the whole thing (laughs) (laughs) we're a little fired up after that episode yeah yeah i think we both were in different ways (laughs) we slept on it for a few days and we just rewatched it and i have a few more thoughts but before we even talk about the episode itself I spent the last few days trying to figure out why it like annoyed me the first time through. And I will admit that the second time through, I thought it was better once I didn't have expectations. Well, I think it's really important to note that we watch the episode and within minutes we do the podcast. Right. So there's no time to digest really anything. It's it's completely off the cuff for us. So like it's our most natural, unprocessed reactions. Right. And it's even possible that we missed several things. Right. Because we watch it and go right to it, which... We didn't really miss anything this episode, but that is a possibility that happens. Um, It's possible. (laughs) So I'm going to back up a little bit to something that started in season five. I think anybody that watches this show will notice that season five, the show got pretty much worse than the first four seasons. I think people who are fans of the books, that's going to be much more obvious too. So you say that and right away I'm like, yep, I agree. But I'm trying to like hold as as we talk about you know the show that there's a lot of people who just never touch the books and maybe appreciate some of the things that we say about it or things like that. It kind of helps them understand, but they're really just the show, and so like they, it gives them a very different perspective and experience of the show. Right in season five, the show got better as far as battles and spectacle and things like that. Yeah, their budget got better for sure. So it was kind of some of the problems I have were offset by superiority in other ways. But I'm just going to go down memory lane here. Well, well, so just to back you up a little bit of what you're saying, though, is I think one of our biggest criticisms still of this episode is the writing. And what you're basically saying here is once the show had to start deviating from the books because it didn't have as much to go off of the writing started to go downhill well so even with the long night from a writing perspective let's leave out the military tactics and some things like that which we kind of already talked about i don't think that we'll add that much value by revisiting it but basically that the night king died was my problem (laughs) and that all the prophecies about Azora High and everything, which granted were not as big in the show, those turned out to be nothing. But the show does introduce it. So one of the things that has happened to me in, in the few days since this first aired and us watching it again is I have become increasingly dissatisfied with the fact that there was more than one occasion in the show. So again, I leave the books out of it. The show introduced Azora High. What it was supposed to be a big part of Stannis's characterization is around this, his whole motivation for stuff going to the north there's so much precedent for it but that felt really dropped in this episode and i i do feel pretty annoyed about it well what's funny is that upon rewatch i think we switched places a little bit i think i became easier <laughs> yeah. on it and you got harder on it yeah but let's let's back it up because what i want to talk about here is one of the things that started happening in season five and it, it started if there was a moment where the show jumped the shark which i don't think it really did but if there was a moment for that to happen, it was when Barristan Selmy died. Mm-hmm. And maybe even before that, but it's the same point that I'm going to make for that and for Doran, Prince Doran of, 
of Dorne who was mm-hmm. killed. Basically, what started happening is that the show, it seemed to me, started killing people to make things more convenient to start wrapping things up. So Prince Doran, I believe, was the first one killed in season five. It was Alexander Siddig from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, who I was happy to see get a role. And he's just killed by the Sand Snake Mother. And I had heard later that he was written for at least four or five more episodes. And they decided to scrap it all. So something happened in the production room where they were like, ah, screw it. Let's just get rid of this. They, they just started to fuck up Doran so badly. Right. It was that I think they just scrapped it then. But in the books, you know, again, we're only up to book five out of the seven books. But there is a ton of background of stuff with Dorn. There's characters who are never introduced, but okay. There's still a ton of background. Uh, Prince Doran has been planning something for like 20 years or something. Like, like right, yeah. There's so much. And so like, to your point, when they take just such a interesting, important character, and they're just like, mm, yeah, and you're done. Right. It's, it's hard sometimes as lovers of the show and the books kind of be like, what are you doing? But that one didn't matter so much because we barely knew him in the show. and But it was Barrison Selmy, the one that really that, got me. That one's pretty bad. Because he's one of the best fighters ever. Well, he's one of the best fighters. And at the point that he died in the show, he's still alive in the books. And he has a lot of important things to do. He's Danny's chief of the Kingsguard, whatever the main guy is called. He's training her armies. He's doing all these things. And basically what happened in the show is they wanted Tyrion to be with Danny, so they killed him off to make room for Tyrion. You know, it was just like, well, he's kind of inconvenient to have now, so and for the sake of making things easy, let's just get rid of him. In a pretty pathetic death. Yeah, in a totally meaningless death where, you know, he chopped down eight or nine guys and that was cool. But he still just lost like anybody could have. Mm. If, if they would have had just one change, like where uh, you saw some of the, the harpy, what are those guys called? Um, sons of the harpy. The sons of the harpy. Like kind of panicking and loading a crossbow and then he shoots Barristan in the leg and that slows him down. That would have like made it much more acceptable. But Barristan is... Probably, along with Arthur Dane, the two best fighters in the whole history of this series. And George R. R. Martin even said that they are equal in skill. And if he had to pick one over the other, he would pick Arthur Dane only because Arthur Dane has the magic sword. Mm -hmm. So that's how good he is. And so he went out under his capabilities and also just to move the story right along. And then the next one in season five that I thought went out prematurely, but maybe a little less so, was Roose Bolton. How they wanted Ramsay to be the bad guy, so they just had Roose killed. It's possible that that happens in the books, but Roose is far more terrifying villain than Ramsay. Because he's basically Ramsay, but older and smarter and more experienced. More contained. Yeah, and able to control all those terrible things Ramsay does. But Roose is still does those terrible things. So he he's a much more formidable villain. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember the first time we watched that when he died. I was like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like I, I was surprised to be emotionally attached to Roos. But that was another one. They were like, well, we need Ramsey to be the bad guy. So now to be fair, that might go the same way in the books. It's kind of hard to say. And then, of course, the next one that I thought was okay was Shireen. So that was a controversial death. Melisandre had her burned. and Stannis- You thought that was okay? I thought it was okay from a storytelling point of view, in the sense... You were so angry after well, that episode aired. <laughs> I, I distinctly remember this, how angry you were. 
Well, it did make me angry because I don't think in the books it's going to happen that way. What, what made me angry was, wasn't that Shireen was burned, which is, of course, is the most terrible thing that ever happened on Game of Thrones. But it was that Stannis was complicit in it, whereas I don't think it's going to happen that way in the books because Stannis is going into battle outside of Winterfell at this point, and Shireen is at the wall. So I think Melisandre will burn Shireen, and Stannis will not have a hand in it. Of course, could be wrong about that as well. But my point is that from a storytelling point of view, it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't, it wasn't just, oh, for convenience or whatever. But then the very next episode, Stannis is killed. And that one seemed a little, what was the point of his story again? <laughs> you know, I guess to show that prophecies are wrong and that... I mean, he basically saved the wall from the wildlings. Right. But, you know, maybe the Night King wouldn't have had, had so many people in his army then if all the wildlings had passed through the wall or I don't know, like... I mean, he, he did have some consequence he, because he lost the Battle of Blackwater. The Lannisters kind of remained. But as far as the story goes, he, I don't know. He didn't really have an arc. I but again, to a point that we were just talking about, though, that was a moment when Lady Melisandre, like in the show, loses all hope and kind of has a, a crisis of faith because she believes so strongly that she burned a little girl alive that Stannis was Azura High. Again, this is a show going out of its way to show us something here and then he's not it and there there must be more to this. Ugh, they better follow huh. up on it. Do you think that in this last episode, The Long Night, Melisandre redeemed herself? <sighs> yes and no. I think she redeemed herself in the fact that she tried to help as much as she could in the ways that she could. So she, she could have just not shown up or only done the bare minimum or that sort of thing. She did what she was supposed to do. And in that sense, it's kind of redeeming. Um, I was listening to some other podcasts and read some articles and stuff. And it seems like most people were kind of like, yay, Melisandre. Yeah, she totally redeemed herself and everything. And I'm like, I'm not so sure. No, like more that she just like stayed the course. I think this is all what she was supposed to do anyway, whether she burned Shireen or not, or was wrong or not, or whatever. Like, I feel like if you're going to forgive her, you have to also forgive Stannis in the sense that the only difference between the two of them is she survived and he didn't because she bailed on him after he burned her. I think maybe the most redeeming thing that she does really that she wouldn't have done anyway is take off that necklace and die. The Lord of Light let her die. He could have kept her alive, but he didn't. I wouldn't put her under the redemption column. I don't think that's the right word for her. And I think Theon is is definitely that. So there's a an argument to be made that part of the reason she died wasn't just that her mission was over and she died of old age or whatever. It was that it actually took her life energy to light the fires and do stuff like that. This is more obvious in the books than the show, but she had been using Stannis' life energy to do mm-hmm. the magic things. And maybe she just ran out of juice after this one. But I think it's an interesting ethical question to try to figure out if she is forgivable. And I mean, Shireen never really got justice. I think the answer is yes, but only because the Hound is forgivable and Jamie Lannister is forgivable and all these things. Like that's that's complex characters for you. Yeah. One thing that actually is pretty consistent and straightforward with Lady Melisandre is that she serves the Lord of Light. She fights the one true war and does what she can for that. And, and that's not that complicated. That That's her just doing what she's always done from the beginning. She's just maybe doing it a different way that doesn't make people's stomachs turn. Yeah. So is that redeeming? No, not really. I just, I appreciate though that she did what she did uh, in this episode. Yeah, I think it's interesting just to see how how easily 
the people can be won over by the fact that she had a relatively big role to play in the final battle. Going back to what I was saying, all these deaths that I've listed, Barristan, Roos, Stannis, Prince Doran, Tristane, we don't even have to talk about, later the Sand Snakes, and then the way Highgarden and the Dothraki are taken out. They, it all just seems like kind of just an easy way to move the story along. With the Dothraki, for example, it seems to me now that if Danny tries to take the Seven Kingdoms, she will be seen less as a foreign invader because she doesn't have these foreigners behind her. And maybe that's just me reading too much into it. No, but the show makes a point of that. I mean, that's the whole thing with the Tarleys. Right, exactly. That's how Tarly was swayed to back Cersei is that exact piece there. One of the, the conclusions I've come to in rewatching it here um, is the fact that they could have done a lot of the same things they had in this episode if they had just put it together differently. So if they had had the Dothraki part happen after they have already tried a couple other things that they literally aren't the first line of defense where they're all just decimated so fast as the first thing. Like let's say John and Danny came in and did some swoops with their fire to take out the initial ones. And that kind of stops the momentum a little bit of the, the zombie horde. And then the Dothraki kind of go in. I feel like they cater too much to try and make it really creepy and appeal to fans, which yeah. it, it's, it's, Man, if they just could have put this together differently, I think it would have been more well-received by a lot of people. I have some recommendations about a few small things they could have done different. And I'm not even going to talk about what you just said, the Dothraki being wiped out and Thin Solid and all that. I felt almost cheated in a few ways yeah. with this episode. That That's a good way to describe what happened to me in the days after this. Yeah, I, once, I started to feel more and more it, cheated, yeah. yeah. I felt cheated, as, as we said in our first podcast, mostly with Beric and secondly with the Night King. Well, mostly with the Night King and secondly with Beric. But as I was thinking about different scenarios that might have happened, I'm going to run some by you. You can just tell me what you think. <laughs> the way that Jorah went out was pretty good. Yeah. But what they could have done that I think would have been even more powerful is that his final stand is against Viserion, who is trying to kill Danny. Mm -hmm. So Danny's confronted with her dragon. Who One of her children. Right. The same way that John John stood up to Viserion and was ready to fight him at the end there. So Jorah stands up to him and maybe has a similar move to the, the sword in the eye thing. And then uh, maybe Viserion bites him or hits him or something. So he gets this, almost the same death, but he takes out Viserion. It would have been maybe redundant to have his niece do that or his cousin with mm -hmm. the giant and him also do it, but I would have rather scrapped her. So I th that well, he could have finished cutting off his head. What Drogon had already started to do, right? Like, the, didn't have to be two eye things. Yeah. But they could. I thought they could have had a cool scene with that, and it would have made the sword that he got from Sam that much more important. Mm -hmm. You know, would have given more meaning to that. I don't have a problem with the way he went out, but I think that would have been really strong. Although, and they could they could have this too with what you're saying, but one thing I really like about them fighting together was how he was actually hurt pretty severely earlier on in the fighting and he would go down and then he stands back up again and, and how she even kind of puts her hand on, an, on his arm to help support him a yeah. bit. Like he's really hurt, but yet he keeps going until he knows that she's safe. And it, it was so... I mean, I, I really loved that piece. I, I mean, I agree with you. I think it could, it could have been done in a different way, but I'll still take what they gave us no, on that yeah. one. I'm not complaining about yeah. it. I was just trying to think of even more better ways they could have done it. Do you know House Mormont's words? Oh, I do. <laughs> what are they? Here we stand. Oh, yeah. So that would have been really good. <laughs> uh, and it was really good. Anyway, so that, that's how, how, how I might have considered changing um, Jorah. The next one I have is... um. So Arya and the Hound and Beric break into this room and Melisandre's in there and Melisandre gives her the eye list. You know, you kill people with brown eyes, 
green eyes. Now, here's something to think about. When she said green eyes, Arya nodded her head as if it had already happened. But I, I, who has green eyes in the show? Cersei? So, is that another foreshadow? I mean, I don't know. Arya's killed so many people. Yeah, right. Like, I Well, remember. I know, but the, the point is that did it mean something more than just running through the, the names? But anyway, so kind of what I was thinking is that, so Theon, Theon's was good. Like you mentioned earlier, he had his redemption arc. And the first time through, I was like, well, he fought everybody off and he did a good, good job at that. But then it was just inevitable that once the Night King showed up, he was going to die and he had a brave last charge. But it would have been cool if he would have bought some more time so something could happen. Yeah. But upon rewatch, maybe he did buy enough time for Bran to finish doing whatever he was doing yeah. while he was warred, well, assuming he was And really doing quick, since you said that, you and I are much more convinced that Bran was downloading. And it reminded me of other times in the show where Bran is in immediate peril. I remember Mira Reed being like, Bran, come on, come on, when they're in the caves and stuff, when he's downloading. And, and so this is something that he's done before. I just kind of forgot about it in the midst of of everything else that happened when he talked about it and he he definitely downloaded something and i think he knew he was going to survive there's that whole interplay between him and the the knight's king where he kind of twists his head and it's like did they just have a conversation and bran did not seem too worried at all yeah but would he anyways <laughs> i don't probably not well, right so i, I think so, so i agree with that but i think theon bought him time to finish doing whatever he was doing but i was also thinking about a cool death for theon would have been pretty much exactly what it was but when the white walkers show up in the night king he manages to get an arrow into the night king or maybe even kill a white walker with an arrow yeah and then as instead of him charging the night king he starts blasting arrows at the night king who has to defend them i was thinking about when ramsey was shooting arrows at john and john was blocking them all with the shield yeah if the night king had to do that to defend himself from theon in order i have a whole thing to this in order to buy time for the hound aria melisandre and beric to all get into that area. Yeah. And start fighting the White Walkers. And what because I- apparently after Arya just trots off and the Hound just decides not to follow her anymore, even though it was a big deal, the Hound and Lady Melisandre just chill just hang out in the room, with Beric's right? dead body for a little bit. So I'm thinking that somehow they get into that area, the Hound is fighting one and whatever, and Melisandre somehow maybe makes a flame. But then all of them, like Theon and all these people you're talking about, and they're all fighting the henchmen too. Right. That's, so there's yeah. like a whole thing. Because we didn't see the henchmen do anything well so and then what i'm imagining too is that melisandre gets a um some kind of fire something that isolates her and beric versus the knight's king so we get a full fire and ice scene there with beric's flaming sword and melisandre doing something with fire against the knight's king who ultimately kills them or kills beric at least yeah but the fight with Beric is what allows Arya to get in undetected, and then she can kill the Night's King. Yeah. And that would make Beric have a special death that only he could do, because it required his fire to get him off guard or whatever, you know? Well, and it's a lot less stupid than a small gust of wind going through one of the White Walker's hair that implies Arya has just run by... One thing that I would change about Theon's death is he was so puny against the Night King. And yet they had just shown him be this badass rescuing Yara and fighting off all these other zombies. And then, like, give us a little bit of a fight. Well, if he, there's no way he stood a chance against the Night King unless, he, unless he had his arrows. That's what I'm getting at. Was shooting arrows at him and making the Night King react. But they ran out of arrows. I know, but that was just because they wrote it that way. They could have right. written three more arrows. In order to buy time for Beric to get a one-on-one fight. And they've already established he's a really good archer from when Bran was attacked by the wildlings. And 
Right, yeah. So he already saved Bran with his arrow in season one. So that would be another like so, full yes, circle thing. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of ways it could have gone to not make me feel so robbed. But the main one is, of course, the Night King being taken out. It was only three episodes ago that he got across the wall after eight and a half years. But I, I really tried to think about why that bothered me. And the prophecy, that was huge. The Azora High, and the, how did she, how did Melisandre confuse Dan, uh, Stannis for who turned out to be Arya, and all these things. But what is the Stark words? What's their motto? Winter is coming. Winter is coming. So this thousand year war, and you know what we never got in this show except for, for one episode is actual winter. Only Stannis had to deal with winter, and they basically used it as a plot device to kill him, to have his army killed. And then the next day, all the snow melted, and that is such a missing part of what this story should be. And, yeah, now, yeah, as we're talking about it, I still feel cheated. (laughs) Yeah. But, um... Well, and and one of the things that happened for me is what had just impacted you so strongly. There was so much buildup for this existential threat and who this Night King was... You know, like he's been alive for over a thousand years and even longer. Biden is time to do this. And he just, the way he gets to, it, it's so anticlimactic. So just fast, you know. Yeah. yeah, it was completely rushed here. I mean, it's weird to call the most epic episode of the whole show anticlimactic, right? Because it had the biggest battle we've ever seen. Yeah. But it, just in the sense that it was over so fast. Three episodes since they got past the wall. The Night King is not even a character in the books, or at least not yet. He could be. But the White Walkers, whatever they are, this thousand-year thing. Yeah, which, he's brought up in the books, but right. but it's brought up in terms of people are talking about the past and someone who existed. So it definitely does make me wonder if his story is not over. Maybe not him in particular, but... What if they have to bring him... Someone else will become the new Night's King. Right. What if Kyborn is building an army of dead in King's Landing? You know, we know that he's interested in that. Or what if... Um, the cycle, the cycle repeats somehow yeah. so that the stark words never go out of date. Like winter is always coming in some sense. I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. So what do you think? So in the books, is there going to be an Azora High? Is there going to be anything like that? Or is Arya going to kill the Night's King? Or will they set it up better? Will they give her a reason for us for her to be Azora High? I mean, I, I think there will be something. And maybe it's not one person, maybe it's a combination, but at least in the books, there's a bunch of criteria, if you will, that someone has to meet or people have to meet. And John and Danny can both fit a lot of that, where Arya just pretty much can't in any way, unless she's a part of like an assist. And and, and I can see that. Right. So like, yeah, a team effort taking them down would be cool which is kind of what i was describing how they could have done this episode a little more too right but yeah but i mean i do think azura high is going to play a big role in the destruction of of this existential threat in the books and per danny's vision in the show so back to the show king's landing will be covered in snow with no roof (laughs) so there's three episodes left for winter to hit king's landing apparently i don't know how that's going to happen especially if the dead aren't coming there are several times, though, where they show us specific and similar clips of this. When, you know, Danny's in the House of Undying, when Bran touches the weirwood tree, when he's going north. And they show us these, these what you're just talking about, of King's Landing, where there's snow in the throne room. So maybe winter still is coming? All right. Well, we'll see you for the second half of the final season. Thanks for joining us, if you did. <laughs>